0: Hey guys, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host Rachel Mansfield, and this week we are chatting with the co-founders of Sierra Belly. Now you probably have heard of Sierra Belly by now because they are game-changing the baby toddler food space. They make pouches that are filled with the essential nutrients that you need to give your child, like they're the type of brand that you go into the grocery store, you pick up their pouches, their bars, or you find them online, whatever, you give them to your child and you can trust the quality of the product, the ingredients that are in them, and then it makes you like feel like you're doing good for, for your children. And the most impressive part is that Dr. Teresa Persner, who is a neurosurgeon and a PhD developmental neurobiologist... I butchered that eight times before I just said that. Like, she is incredibly impressive. She's a mom of three. She knows what's up. She is someone, I think, actually think she's one of the smartest people I've ever spoken to, to the point where I'm holding my notebook right now, because I took easily 50 bullet points of notes of when she was speaking during the interview. But what I love about Sierra Belly, too, is that the co-founders are a brother and sister. So we're chatting with her brother, Nick. We're chatting with Dr. Teresa Persner. And this episode is packed with so much amazing information. We talk all about the foods that you should feed your kids, heavy metals and different baby foods. Um, what differentiates Sierra Belly against the other baby brands? What to look for? All about the brain development, like how a child's brain is like actually developing every single second until the age of basically 10 and then it starts to slow down a bit. So the food and everything that you're doing, the stimulation with your child and the moment that they're born or really the moment that they're in the womb until they're 10 is just so vital for them. So it actually made me reassuring about, you know, wanting to always give my kids top quality ingredients and paying attention to what they're, what they're eating and what they're doing. And I have a feeling you guys are going to absolutely love this episode share it with other moms, dads, caregivers, nannies, anyone. If you want to try Sierra Belly, I do still have a code. It's Rachel20. So you can get 20% off of their website. Plus, you can get another 15% off with the subscribe and save option, which gives you 35% off your order. And it's one of those things where if you subscribe and save, you won't even have to think about it because the second your kid eats all of the pouches and bars, there's already another order coming, which I love. I subscribe and scape to everything because you save money. And then you don't have to like consistently add something to your grocery list, which is a game changer. So let me know what you think this episode. I'm going to stop talking so we can start listening to this. And I cannot wait to hear what you think of this episode. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and let us know what you think.
1: So hello, I'm Dr. Teresa Bersner my my specialty is neurosurgery. And that's, that's what I do for with, with the majority of my time. But I do have quite a few uh, interests outside of that. So I, I've always been interested in brain tumors and, and why they form. Uh, and in particular, I'm interested in pediatric brain cancer, mostly because of just the devastating nature of the disease itself. You know, it's, it's hard not to feel a tremendous amount of, of, I guess the word is of, uh, responsibility. That's the right word. Responsibility to to help children with brain tumors if you feel that you have the background and the means to do so. And so beyond that clinical need, another really interesting aspect of pediatric brain cancer is that it, it, unlike adult brain tumors, it really reflects um problems of early brain development. Uh, so adult cancers happen for many different reasons. but pediatric brain cancers, especially the ones that I study, they're actually a reflection of normal brain development gotten wrong. So it's a region of the brain that grows as it normally should, and instead of stopping when it should, it just keeps growing. and when it keeps growing, you get you get a brain tumor. And it was that that sort of fundamental understanding that that drove me out of neurosurgery for Almost seven years, actually, uh, when I headed down to Stanford to study early brain development and how it can sometimes cause pediatric brain cancer. So I did my PhD down there, uh, specifically actually in developmental neurobiology. So people usually think it's cancer biology, but it's actually brain development that my PhD is in. I had a lot of amazing mentorship and opportunity at Stanford. It really surpassed even my very high expectations. And uh, we were able to use sort of this... this, um, this experimental framework of looking at pediatric disease from the perspective of early brain development, and we identified a new drug target uh, for the most common form of pediatric brain cancer, um, and that that we were actually able to translate and bring to clinical trials. So it's been uh, it was a tremendously rewarding experience. And, and then cerebelli comes into the story. <laughs>
2: so, so my head is spinning from the first part of your story. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been quite the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so so when I was at Stanford, I had I had my kids. And then um, I think every mom can relate that when you have kids, it sort of shifts your perspective on what's interesting and also what you do with your time for sure. Um and and in my case, one of the major academic shifts was this idea of early brain development, not only in the context of disease, but also just normal, healthy brain development and how these amazing children in front of me were were developing and and what was driving that to, to, to go optimally. Um, and that, that's sort of how Cerebelli came around. Um, I started to read more and more into the determinants of you know sort of optimal early brain development. I, I'm always hesitant to use the word optimal because it sounds like there's an endpoint you're trying to achieve, which just doesn't exist. <laughs> but, but anyway, the determinants of, of early brain development. And, and there, there's three major ones. So genetics, uh, the parents. <laughs> And then uh, the environment, so how you interact with the child, you know, the books you read to them, the way you interact, the way you speak. Um, and then finally, the third was nutrition. And uh, of the three, the third was just a, a huge black box for me. Um, people sometimes think that, that, uh, that doctors know about nutrition, but to be candid, we don't. <laughs> We're not taught about it in, in medical school. I think most of what I learned about nutrition um, up to this point was what I've done through Cerebelli, really. And so, in, in sort of better understanding that, that role in nutrition, it became clear to me that the role of nutrition, brain development is critical. It, it's not, it's not ambiguous. <laughs> There's a lot of data spanning many decades looking specifically at the impact of nutrition and lack of nutrition on, on, on early brain development. Um, and, and so I, I started, you know, researching it, I researched it for a few years. Um, we developed, a, you know, a, a, a patent around it, the idea of what nutrients are important specifically at, at what time for what brain regions. Um, and then I made a meal plan for my own kids that reflected that that knowledge. And and I, I always say that's kind of where where my cerebellum story would have ended had it not been for Nick, <laughs> who, as you know, is my brother and the co-founder um, he He saw that that knowledge translation in the form of these these foods as a huge opportunity, not just for ourselves, but for kids everywhere. Um, and and once again, how how can you deny that responsibility when you have the knowledge and you have the means and you're somewhere at Stanford, which is made to translate ideas? How do you not take that opportunity if it can help children? Um, and And that's where that's where Cerebelli came from. It was from nick reminding me of my responsibilities outside of just neurosurgery and cancer but also Mm -hmm. to the the health and welfare of children everywhere and so that's Mm -hmm. that's sort of my my long-winded story of of the very many things that that i do with my day
2: (laughs) that is quite quite impressive now how so how you had you were feeding your kids you saw the opportunity here i'm sure you saw the lack of options in the grocery store and in the marketplace so nick like What made you say, we need to turn this into a CPG company? Like, how did you, do you have a background or experience in in brands and products?
3: Yeah,
4: that's a great question. Um, What really, you know, motivated me to, to, to tell Teresa, hey, look, we should really turn this into a company, something that's going to help other kids, not just our own kids, because it's not something... It's great that our kids are going to be able to benefit from this. And our friends' kids should be able to benefit from this because we can send out the spreadsheets that we've made about ingredients and which nutrients are so important to brain development. But this is something that's so lacking in this country and frankly, all around the world. This understanding that there is this bio- biology that has shown how important nutrients are to the developing brain. that it's something that we we have to form a mission around. It's something that we have to allow all kids to benefit from. And I think the thing that struck me most strongly was that nutritional science is really important, and, and that understanding is constantly evolving. And I think you see that out there, where different different trends are popular at different times, all based on on good understanding. But but it does evolve over time. What struck me as being so important about Teresa's work is that this was based on pure biology, right? This was showing that this nutrient affects this area of the brain in a very factual, biological way. This is biology and, and, and fact. And I said, Teresa, if this, if this is something that we can feel confident is fact, it's something that has to be spread around and, and, and parents have to understand. And so we said, well, why, why do we need to do it? And, it? and it comes back to a story that Teresa told me, and, and maybe I should let her tell it, but, but, but I'll tell it because it was, it was a great anecdote <laughs> about Teresa saying, look, the reality is I'm a super busy mom. I'm doing my PhD. You know, I think she, she glossed over the fact that she's literally curing cancer you know, in an in, in modest way. And, and, um, and I do have to rely on store-bought foods to, 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 help, um, to help me with my schedule. I would love to make everything myself. But the reality is that's not realistic for my, myself, and it's not realistic for, most, for many, many moms out there. Um, to do everything at home. Um, and God bless the people for whom it is possible. That's a that's an amazing opportunity. Um, but the reality is there's so many moms out there for whom it's, it's very, very difficult or impossible for that to happen. So she said, you know, I went to the Whole Foods uh, nearby um, and, took, and, and looked at the foods out there. And I said, I know which nutrients I need. There are these 16 nutrients that biology has shown uh, are, are critical to supporting brain development in children. And so she went to this Whole Foods and turned over probably 100 pouches. If you've ever been to one of these big grocery stores, you know there, there's a huge variety of, of options there. Turned over 100 of these pouches and came to realize that there, you could not get more than three or four of these 16 essential nutrients in any baby food. And the important thing there is that it wasn't three or four per pouch. It was that 12 or 13 of these 16 nutrients are completely absent from any store-bought baby food that you can get. And again, these are things that biology has shown are crucial to brain development in children. Um, and so when she told me that, I did the same experiment, went to my uh, a few grocery stores and found out that it was 100% true. And, and frankly, to this day, other than cerebellum, you could do the same experiment and still find it to be true. And that was what really motivated me, that that there's parents out there who really thought, I'm gonna take these organic foods, the labels look great, there's vegetables on the labels, um, you know, they're made in special in special and new ways. But the reality was, when you looked at the actual nutrition in the pouch, they were all the same. Um, and, and I said, Teresa, if this is going to help children, it's something that we have to do. Um, and so that, that's how I came, came to it. And, uh, I was, and, and I know I'm rambling a little bit, um, but background is actually in finance. Um, and so and a big part of what I did... Was interact with early stage companies um, before the IPO, so a little later stage than where Cerebelli is now, but certainly well before the well well before they became mature companies. And through that, had you know have gained a, a pretty good understanding of what makes companies successful and what what pitfalls they often uh, they often reach or or hit. Um, which which uh, caused them not to be successful. So I think I've I've been able to uh, put a little bit of that to work as 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 we built Sarah Belli on the business side, uh, while Teresa you know is the genius behind the actual products.
1: Oh my gosh! You can't say genius. <laughs> I think I think also just to, to answer your your question directly, the truth is I don't think either of us knew what we were doing. I think we just knew that it had to be done, and we knew where we were we were in a place where we could figure it out, and so we did. But but yeah, I, I think that's, that's the way that I view it.
2: <laughs> now let's backtrack a bit. And like, I'd love to break down, like, what are those 16 nutrients that a parent or guardian or caregiver should be looking for, for their child, like when they start eating solids or purees? because, you know, we were at a birthday party last weekend, and it was cute. They had like, um like, like, pizza and stuff for the kids then they also had a basket of, of pouches and i picked up a pouch because i have two two sons one of them wanted one and i was like okay this isn't like what i would typically the typical brands that i would look uh look, look to give my children and i left the back and it was like organic apple juice concentrate like citrate i like, there's legitimately nothing in here besides like the, 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 the fi- all the fibers were extracted from the apple like what am i giving them so i think that most people have an idea on like what to look for, like, not to purchase for your kid if it's like heavily and like has a lot of sugar in it. But what are the nutrients that we should be looking for?
1: Yeah, so so there's there's sixteen nutrients that I think you're right. I think what one thing that that was also kind of clear to me, and, and I don't know how this this started, but nutrition in North America seems to emphasize things that are not in the food rather than things that are in the food so if you think of non gmo you think of organic it's like a, it's a lack of it's a lack of contaminants really or or a lack of you know biological chemical contaminants and i think there's been a tremendous lack of emphasis on what is in the food right we don't want sugar we don't want these nutrients we don't want chemicals we don't want but but there's been a lack of focus on okay well what do we want and i think that's where the 16 nutrients co- come in there's, there's. Uh, do you want me to actually go through all sixteen,
3: or
2: <laughs> if you don't my or at least like, right? I think it's
3: yeah. Just quickly go through all of them, and then maybe yeah. add a couple that are important at each yeah. phase.
2: I guess apparently, look going to the grocery store, like look for these type, like these ingredients or these. items. Yeah, yeah.
1: So in general, protein, pr- uh, you know, protein is better than carbohydrates. You would want you want fats more than empty carbohydrates. Um. In terms of that, something I often used when I was uh, when I when my kids were a bit younger is just non-sweetened whole-fat Greek yogurt. That's a nice base to add to. Then you can add sort of dark leafy greens or rich-colored vegetables and 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 fruit berries in particular that add the extra nutrients. So things like iron, mm-hmm. lutein, vitamin A, iodine, zinc, the B the B vitamins, um, B6, copper, vitamin D, uh, DHA, selenium, vitamin E, choline. Uh, and then in terms of the B's, both B6 and B12
4: and a great, resource. <laughs> yeah, a great resource for that is, is our website, SaraBelli.com. There's a section that's, that's called, that says learn in, in the uh, headline, and that goes through not only all 16 nutrients, but exactly why they're in there, what ingredients they come from and how they affect the brain. So it's a great, uh, super quick learning experience. Just check it out and you'll see all 16 of the nutrients that, that Teresa mentioned.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think a step above that there's there's 16. But when I focused on making cerebelli and the whole foods that I put into them and the foods that I made for my kids, of the 16, not all of them are equally likely to be deficient in a North American child, right? And so when, when I was thinking of which of these 16, it's hard to get all 16. I, I would I would even venture to say that outside of using a product like cerebelli, if you're if you're making food from scratch, it's almost impossible to get all 16, yeah. especially every day, right? And so you have to kind of pick and choose which of the 16 make the most sense and there's sort of two ways you can pick between them one is just age and developmentally related at certain specific stages certain nutrients are more important um so you, you think of earlier on in life when vision is really you know co- coming 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 to head um and your child is starting to show you know it, it improved vision not just in, in the sense of black and white versus color but also an understanding of the objects that they are seeing um an anecdote I always give is, is when you see a baby lying down and they're staring at the, the slits in the blinds and everyone's like, oh, that's really cute. They're looking out the window. <laughs> but, but what they're often doing at, at that age is that they're actually starting to understand lines and, and the fact that lines form borders. And if you understand what a border is, you understand what an object is. And so for the first time, the child's realizing that they are an object in a world of objects. They're not just floating around in the ether of emotions and happy mom faces, right? So it's, it's it's um, it, and as the brain is doing that, it's sort of firing along its visual areas. And if you think of what's important for the visual areas, it's things like the carotenoids. So things like vitamin A um, and, and lutein. Um, so, you know, around four to six months when you're doing those very first foods, the, you know, vitamin A is important. So you know, think of uh, orange vegetables, things like carrots and sweet potatoes. Um, so that's just again. Exactly. so 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 one one way of figuring out which nutrients are important are are the ones that are developmentally important. The second way is just looking at in a North American child's diet, what are they actually likely to be deficient in? The truth is a North American kid is unlikely to be deficient in vitamin A. You eat one sweet potato and you're good for a while, right? (laughs) You know, carrots are very common in North America. Um, So the likelihood that your day-to-day diet is going to leave you deficient is low. But things like selenium, things like lutein, choline, these things are commonly deficient. And choline in particular is not often represented in, in perinatal vitamins and stuff like that. So um, not surprisingly, to, to get some of these more difficult-to-find nutrients, you have to work a bit harder and be a bit more thoughtful. If you didn't, then you probably wouldn't be deficient in it. Um, so things like, like including eggs, especially omega-3 eggs. Um, things like um, using sun butter instead of peanut butter to get increased selenium. Um, it, it's sort of simple ways that you can change your day-to-day activities and purchasing decisions um, based on what your child will likely need. So, so that's kind of how I, how I work. I work around the fact that it's, it's impossible to cook all 16 nutrients all the time. And then, of course, the way that I practically do is I just give my kids cerebelli and then, then you're set. One thing that that I was also thinking of when I was making cerebelli, it's, it was the idea of heavy metals, right? So so heavy metals are a problem. They're a problem. And if you think of the more recent consumer report, they're a problem whether you're buying shelf-stable baby food or or vegetables from the grocery store. They found that homemade baby food had similarly high levels of heavy metals as store-bought baby food. It's because the problem isn't, isn't, isn't the boiling of the food. The problem is the, the soil in which we're growing our vegetables. Um, and so uh, in, in that sense, you can also make some, some smart decisions. Going back to the carrot and vitamin A, um, it makes more sense actually to buy baby carrots instead of full-size carrots. And the reason for that is a baby carrots not actually a baby carrot. It's just a big carrot that they whittle down to a smaller size and heavy metals are, are kept in the outside of the carrot closest to the skin. So if you whittle around all that part, you're left with just the baby carrot. You're now left with an excellent source of vitamin A that doesn't have the same levels of heavy metals as a normal carrot. So there, there's little hacks and tricks to, 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 to figure out just just the right
3: decisions. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good one.
2: That's a really good one because I was actually standing in Trader Joe's um, I think it was on Monday. And we needed carrots for something, and I am like all about shortcuts. So, <laughs> I have carrots already washed, ready to go. And It's like a little like no, Like I just you know give it to my kids for lunch. And Jordan loves getting the big carrots, and he like loves the art of peeling it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for this, so I actually bought both. <laughs> I'm like I'll yeah. call it a day. Need to know because like you know I don't use. I think most consumers would go into a grocery store and they pick up a bag of carrots, and you don't think there's gonna really, be like heavy metals or like anything. Toxic or like harmful in a bag of vegetables that you yeah. should be on the lookout for. It. It's like scary to think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the
3: like, problem. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. I was gonna say I feel like the headlines been like rice was like where everyone was finding heavy metals, but I don't feel like I saw as much about like vegetables no. or other things that you thought you were buying this fresh produce from a grocery store like uh, untouched. But that's not the reality.
2: There be heavy like even if something's marked as organic, like if someone's could that still yeah. have heavy metals in it?
1: So, so that's a great question, and and they actually found that um, organic food have the exact same levels as as non-organic food because again, it's not coming from from the way that we're growing it; it's coming from the soil in which it's grown. Um, it, it, when they looked at baby foods, there was a I, I would say it was a non-significant trend, but it was a trend of actually higher levels of heavy metals in some of the baby the organic baby food lines they compared to the generic ones. So you just can't, you can't escape it. Um, the way that Cerebelli gets around it is that we actually just test the soil. And then we test the produce that comes out of the soil for heavy metal levels. And then of all the batches of that produce that comes through, we only keep the batches that have the lowest levels. And then we retest it after we mix it all. And so um, you can't do that as an individual, you can only do that as a company, right? So it, it's yeah. it's very hard to get around and you have to be deliberate and large scale to be able to really navigate through it. So it's, it's,
2: it's a challenge. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like what it, can I like put a strip on something and like <laughs> test it and see the heavy metal? Like, I feel like there's nothing, maybe in a few years, there'll be some, someone will develop something that we can test our food at home. Um, that's a cool so- idea. Cerebelli should do that. A little at home kit for testing your, your home.
1: Yeah. It's something I'm always thoughtful of is, is uh, making food for your kid is, it's so good, like doing it yourself at home. It's so good for so many reasons beyond the fact that you're introducing the kids to all the flavors and varieties that you eat as a family, but also the social component of cooking together. Mm -hmm. I love that your son loves peeling, peeling carrots and stuff like that. There's just so much goodness from a brain development, but also just a a mental health perspective when it comes to doing these types of things. Um, And so I'm always wondering how can Cerebelli better support those parents beyond just the education that we provide on the website, you know, telling which ingredients at which times. Um, so something like that would be cool. Making a little, a little instrument that lets you test your own baby food would be kind of, it wouldn't be that hard, but it, w- it would take a, a step in development.
2: <laughs> wow. I think that would be pretty interesting and something that most people don't really know about. Um, what are some of the harms? Like, is there having food that has heavy metals? Could that be, I, I know that it can be, but just for I'd love for you to explain like why is that harmful for brain health or for your brain to consume something that has heavy metals in it?
1: Yeah, another another great question. And and this is one a lot of science is up to a lot of debate. And you have people with extreme views on either side and they debate a topic. Heavy metals is one topic where there's no debate. <laughs> I, I would be shocked if you ever found a published scientist who said it's okay to have heavy metals as a child. It's it's not. Um the effect on the brain is clear. Again, there are some nutrients where if there's a deficiency the, the the result is a is a very specific problem with brain development in one region at one time. Heavy metals aren't like that. They, they affect pretty much all regions of brain development. And so I think heavy metals in our in our world are inescapable, and I don't want to create fear that somehow we're all, you know, negatively affecting our child's brain development. They're they're inevitable. But but, you know, being conscientious and and making the right decisions to minimize that exposure, I think is is worthwhile.
3: One of
4: the you know, I just one of the things I was going to say is that, you know, going back to the birthday party that you mentioned you attended. You did something that you would be surprised that most people or many people don't do, which is actually just pick up the pouch and and take a look at what's inside it. Because labels and things like that can be, as you know, very misleading. Right. You can have you can put whatever you want on a label, frankly, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to correspond in reality to what's in in the uh, in the pouch. But what most people do is they, they'll look on the back look at kind of the sugar content and then look at the ingredients, right? Say, oh, what what are the ingredients in this this food? And those are all important things to do. But what people don't do enough is actually look at the nutritional panel. And that's really the most important part that's on any food product, because that's heavily regulated. It has to be 100% real. Um, and, and it gives you all the information about what's in the food, going back to what Teresa said about not only caring about what's not in the food, but what's in the food, look at those nutrients and vitamins. And if you just very quickly, um, scan that nutritional panel and compare, you know, and, and, and with regards to Cerebelli, compare, compare that nutritional panel to anything else out there. I think that's the most striking, uh, you'll see, you'll see a striking difference between what we're doing and what other people are doing. And again, the nutritional panel doesn't lie. So whether it's baby food or other types of food, make sure you're paying attention to that nutritional panel because that's really where you're gonna get the factual nutritional information that can't be fudged or or facts that can be obfuscated, which they can on the ingredient list and certainly can on the label.
3: What are some of the like numbers you should be looking for or like ratios maybe on the nutritional panel that like, you know, you're not always gonna have a pouch on hand, but if you wanna give your kids something when you're out, like you know, and you had to pick a couple of things, like w- what are some of the numbers you should be looking for?
1: You know, at, at this point, and again, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but if you flip that pouch over and you see anything but zeros in the nutritional panel, it's probably one of the better pouches. Um, y- you would really be shocked at, at you, you should do it. Next time you go to the supermarket, actually take the pouches and flip them over. And other than sugar and salt, <laughs> see how many numbers you have that are, that are, you know, even double digit, double digit at all would be, would be a win. Um, you'll probably find again, things that are common that your kid's not going to be deficient in things like vitamin A. You will find that because ingredients that are rich in vitamin A are, are, you know, relatively inexpensive and and readily available. So you might see some vitamin A, you'll probably see some vitamin C, but you're not going to see a whole lot more than that. Uh, Again, if, if you want to focus on you know the biggest bang for your buck, uh, look for those nutrients that are um, that that are commonly deficient in, in North American children, um, and see whether or not the pouches have any of that, because that'll probably um, be be most useful um, in terms of an addition to the normal diet.
2: I almost feel like a lot of like being, I'm not saying this to be like overly negative, but like ever since I started feeding Ezra, he said before, so I don't know three and a half years ago. I've never really spent that much time in a baby food aisle because even from the moment I started giving him like oatmeal or whatever it may be, I wasn't buying baby oatmeal. It's like, I'll just buy my oatmeal, like organic glyphosate free, blah, blah, blah. Give that to him. But like everything, I feel like in a baby aisle for so many years, has just been like falsely advertised as like, this is what you should give your child. But like, there's almost no nutrients in anything that you're giving to your child from that. Like the, I, I cringe when I see other people's strollers and the snacks that they're giving to their children. I'm like, these are like, it's like they're eating air, you're eating nothing. Like, you need to be giving something that has like some type of like substance or like something to it. And I think everything in moderation in general. But when it comes to like the daily snacks and things, like, you don't only need to look at like the hundred different pouches that you see, like, you need to like pay attention Mm -hmm. to like the foods that you're actually giving to your kids. So, what are some of your like go-to family meals like in both of your homes that are like brain healthy or brain bo- good boost for your brain, but also meals that your kids aren't going to give you a hard time about, about eating.
1: Nick, do you want to go? Nicole's Nicole is an amazing chef. Yeah. so y- You guys are, you guys are much better at preparing meals.
4: Than I am. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, uh, you know, I would say that when, when, um, when Teresa first brought this to my attention, uh, one of the things, one of the, I guess, hacks that she gave me was, say, was the basically the depth of the color of an ingredient pro- is, is a pretty good indication of how much vitamin it has, the nutrients it has in it. So the darker, the, you know, the darker green that you see in some of these leafy greens, probably the more nutrient dense it is, similar with orange. Like the deeper, darker orange that you get is probably more nutrient dense. And so start looking for ingredients with those two primary colors, so one of the things we love doing is veggie tacos, you know, sweet, sweet pota- with using sweet potatoes and beans um, as, instead of ground beef. Um, certainly, we have a lot of ground beef tacos. I, I, I won't lie about that. Um, but, but 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 veggie tacos are a great way to do it because you're getting some proteins from the protein from the beans. You're getting um, those 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 bright orange, dark orange uh, sweet potatoes, um, and then putting you know uh, cilantro uh, or other uh, or potentially sautéing some kale um, and using those. Mixing that all up um, and, and adding some good spices, the kids, you know, the kids love that as, as a dish. And I think that's that's a good way. That's a good one that gets that hits all the bases. I think another thing at, just along the same lines that we thought about uh, with Cerebelli is we're fortunate enough that we have kids who are really good eaters. Um, they, they'll eat a, a large variety of things. They, they'll pretty much eat anything. And I think that was because we focused early on on making sure they were exposed to a wide variety of textures and flavors, um, and and you know spices and things like that. And that's something we really thought about when we started Cerebelli, which was that all our foods are not just sweet. You know, um, certainly there are some that are sweeter than others. Um, but we also have pouches like the black bean pouch, um, which is more which, you know, verges more on the savory. And we thought it was really important when we had an entire product line, not only to make sure that kids were getting these sixteen nutrients, which are so crucial, but also it's be exposed to these different flavors. Because if you do that early on, it's a, it's been very clearly shown that it makes it, that it makes uh, for for easier eaters or better eaters um, as time goes on. But you really want to start that early. And, and sometimes it's frustrating, don't get me wrong, we, we had the same frustrations as every other parent, that they might not like it the first time, but you do try it a few times. And don't, you know, kids will tend to eat it and it can be frustrating. And there will be some things they just don't like. I, you know, I'm not saying you force things a hundred times. If, if there's this one ingredient that a kid just hates, Okay that's fine. You <laughs> know um but but many of them they will like over time. And so that was a big focus of cerebelli too to you know not only get these nutrients but make sure you're setting your kids up for a lifetime of healthy eating.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with with your observation that um there's been a very unfortunate long-setting trend in baby food where products are put out that that I I feel must be designed towards Optimal sales, rather than op- optimal nutritional nutritional delivery, and and what what drives sales? Kids wanting more of your product, and what do kids want? They want sugar and salt, right? That that's what kids want early on in life, despite the fact that you know it's probably some of the worst things for them. Um, and so I, I completely agree. It's a huge problem. If that huge problem didn't exist, and Cerebelli wouldn't exist, I wouldn't have <laughs> taken so much of my time to, to develop it. But but I just like you, I before Cerebelli came out, I fed my kids um, adult food. Um, I, I, I'm not as fancy of a mom as, as Nick, as Nick's wife, Nicole, um, I'm a very pragmatic and, and efficient mom because I do too many things. Um, and so I, I, had sort of major themes that I did variations of day to day when I was getting their lunches ready for, for preschool and things like that. So one of them would often be, I would take, um, a full fat Greek yogurt. I would put something yummy. So maybe stewed blueberries, some dark berry that would be mixed and then a granola on top of it. I tried to avoid any rice-based things because of the arsenic issues. Um, I, I would usually put together with that, you know, a, a couscous that had omega-3 eggs that were, that were um, scrambled into it. And then peas or a dark leafy green or something like that. Um, and that would have a little bit of salt in it. And so, so the kid enjoyed the savory. They enjoyed the sweet. Um, And it was easy for me to make it would take, you know, five minutes in the morning to get their lunches ready, because I had a pattern, Um, you know, chickpeas, chickpea based curries were, were really popular with my kid chickpeas are just so chock full of so many important nutrients that we're commonly deficient in. So um, I, I tended to have themes. Spaghetti sauce. I, I would cut so many different vegetables into spaghetti sauce <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> because my kids would eat it.
2: It's <laughs> like
3: Rachel's biggest uh, trick.
2: If the, yeah, I, like, remember, like don't sneak vegetables into your kids' diet. Or, like don't. It's like not good to sneak. I'm, like I put vegetables in <laughs> everything. Yeah. I, like, I, yeah. I don't lie about it. I would say, but <laughs> there's spinach in it. But like you know, if it's shaped as a waffle, he's gonna eat it a lot better than he right. would a plate of spinach.
1: Yeah, I, I bake actually a lot of vegetable-based muffins, um, and ultimately I ended up switching that because because it would, took too long to to steam and mash the vegetables. I just started using casserole pouches instead. But but I used a lot of spinach-based and steam-based uh, muffins, and then they're getting a muffin. They love it. You know, I put I put something sweet, a little bit of honey or something to make it tasty because I think it's important kids enjoy eating as well. Um, but but they're also getting their veg. So I. I I'm not as transparent as you when it comes to my kids. Sometimes I don't tell them. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> liking it, I'm liking it. I think it's a win.
2: <laughs> like my kids are still so young that I think I could like win them over a little bit. Like Ezra knows I want to make him a quesadilla. It's like an almond flour tortilla, hummus, spinach, avocado, and cheese. Like it's not like your typical quesadilla. But he's like, oh, there's pinage in here. And like, he still eats it. Like, he knows it's there, but like, you know, it, with other flavors, it tastes good. And even I'm happy to say that we got chickpeas. as we made a chickpea bark with jar chocolate. And, oh, wow. and we roasted the chickpeas. So they're like crunchy. Made it yesterday. It's actually one of my oldest recipes. I haven't made it in so long, but every night, our son, one of our kids, they're just always hungry and he eats all day. And I like what can I give you for dessert he loves dessert and like what can I give you for dessert that's like packed with a little bit more nutrients but like I think the chickpea bark, you know could be something pretty solid because he doesn't like chickpeas normally Um, I love that I love that idea plug other ingredients into like any part of their their day
4: (laughs) And that's great. And you know, the the reality is is you want you need food to taste good. That's part of the enjoyment of it. And and it's nice to say that, oh, I'm not gonna ever give my kid anything with sugar or I'm not gonna give them anything with salt. But the reality is the more important thing is that they're getting those nutrients, you know, and if if you need and if if it helps to to make something a little sweeter or a little more savory, you know, I think I think we're all for it. So I I think it's, it's there has to be an emphasis on practicality in addition to uh, in addition to, to, to pure, uh, science or nutrition and, and having a nice mix of those, um, is probably, probably the way to go.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I I think, um, the, the joy of eating is, is such an important thing and the joy of eating as a family and the discussions you have Nick and I growing up, you know, dinner time was the time when we caught up with the whole family and we, we you know, we sort of shared our thoughts and views on, you know, big things and little things. And so um, th- there's just so much more to food than, than just nutrition. And, and, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm walking completely out of my field of ex- expertise. So it's more anecdotal than anything, but, but I feel extreme views in, in almost any scenario with kids ends up backfiring. <laughs> you know, a sense of, you know, doing your best and a sense of moderation and practicality and, you know, the, the mom doing her best, but also having time to spend with a kid by not killing herself to do everything perfectly. I think I think all of these things have to be balanced.
2: Well, I'm happy you said that because like on Fridays, it's, um we're, we're Jewish. Ezra goes to a Jewish like private preschool right now and it's Shabbat and challah is a huge part of Shabbat. And the other four days a week I pack in like, you know, a nutrient-dense lunch, whatever. I'm, like, one of the only crazy people, like, probably packing him a meze platter of, like, vegetables and crackers and whatever else. And on Fridays, though, he knows he gets to eat all the time he wants. I'm like, you know, your couple days a week, I don't care. Eat whatever. <laughs> but, like, the other days, I know that he, like, is getting something, you know, a little bit more better for him and his health because I noticed that when he is hangry or, like, he sometimes gets, like, some social anxieties and situations and... Like we were at our nephew's birthday party a couple of weeks ago, and he was like actually freak, starting to freak out a little bit over the number of people. And I know from anxiety, like the last thing you want to do is like pound bread and sugar right now. And like you know, my mother in law was offering him hollow. I was like, no, I need to give him like a pouch or like like it's like olives or like a meat, like something that's gonna like balance his blood sugar before he keeps, you know, exploding on us. So I think that like finding that type of like happy medium of like you know you're going to be feeding your kids nutrient-dense foods in your home, but when they're out, kind of like le- just letting them enjoy themselves a bit more.
4: Yeah. And I think that, you know, it goes back to one of the main reasons we started Cerebelli, you know, which was that we really wanted one of the pillars of, of the company that or one of the main reasons we started the company um, was to ensure that this science was accessible to parents. And I think that's one of the differences between Cerebelli um, and, and the reason behind cerebelli and and many other products out there, whether it's baby food or not, which is that cerebelli is just a delivery system for some science that Teresa was able to discover. Right. So she the, that the whole generation was that there were all these nutrients that were so important to brain growth. And again, based on biology, based on fact, that that these nutrients are so important to development, the, the, the development of the brain so how would we get, How are we going to get that to parents? How are we going to make it easy for them um, to, to have access to this science? And we realized Cerebelli was the way. It was If we could pack these baby foods with, this, with these nutrients, they were going to be able to access this very important science in a very convenient and reasonably inexpensive way. And so I think that's the, that's the difference between Cerebelli and many other products. Cerebelli started with a scientific discovery, and there was a product built around it, as opposed to coming out with a product and hoping there was some science um, that, that, that could uh, create sales. Um, and I think that's a very different way of approaching product development um, than almost any other company has out there. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the exciting parts about what we're doing here.
3: The food system has definitely translated to more like revenue driven than I would say nutrition driven. Um, and, and we see that so often, especially in what we do every day, looking at brands to invest mm-hmm. in or you know, recipes to make. We're always trying to find things that are, you know, trying to find some sort of balance because, you know, it, it is the consumer good that people need to urge us. And you know what, I think there's,
4: there, there are two reasons because people ask us often, why aren't other people doing this? You know, and, and one of them is, is what you just explained. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's a pessimistic way of viewing the world. But, but unfortunately, it's probably fair, fairly realistic, which is if you make food that tastes like candy, kids are gonna to wanna to eat that candy, you know? And, and so that, that might be the pessimistic view, although I suspect it's, it's probably a realistic one. The other though, is that it's very difficult to do what Cervelli is doing when it comes to actually making the food. You know, when it comes to the heavy metals, like Teresa said, we, we, uh, we require our farmers to test their soil many times a year. And then we, like Teresa said, we test every batch of ingredients that comes in. Um, both as raw ingredients before it's cooked and after it's cooked. So these so everything gets tested multiple times. And we just throw out anything that doesn't meet our standards, which, by the way, are by far the strictest in the baby food industry. So that's very expensive. And then to make uh, the foods the way we do requires a special manufacturing process called retort. So most baby foods are created using something called a hot fill. and, And we'll nerd out a little bit on food science here. But hot fill is exactly what it sounds like. You get all the ingredients, you boil them, you grind them up, and then you fill the, fill the pouch while it's still hot, um, which creates sterility, right? And so, so I think you'll see marketing about if things aren't refrigerated, it, it, you know, if, if things are shelf-stable, it's because they have preservatives. That that is not the case at all. Um, and that's, that's not only true of Cerebelline, that's true of all shelf-stable baby foods. It's not because of preservatives. It's because you create a vacuum inside that pouch. And by definition, if you have a vacuum, uh, bacteria can't grow. Um, and so, so that's the reality. And, and that's true across babies. That's not that's not specific to cerebelli. But what, but the, the issue there is that you actually have to have an acidic pH in order to maintain that sterility, which means by definition, you basically have to use a fruit as the base for, for your baby food. That's a much cheaper way to do it. It's easy. Um, and and the, the fruits that you use as a base are very common um, and easy to acquire. To get to hit the nutritional standards that Sarah Belli wanted to hit, we knew that we needed to have vegetables as the main ingredient in every pouch, and that's the main ingredient by volume. And, and, and so vegetables truly are the main ingredient in every single one of our pouches. But that required a special system uh, called retort, and retort is basically a closed system. It's very similar, um, except it, it it maintains a closed system so that there is no um, basically opportunity to introduce bacteria at any point in in the system in, in it. And so it's allowed. To, it creates sterility without having to have that acidic pH. Um, and so we were able to create a shelf-stable food, um, but that had vegetables as the main ingredient. As you can imagine, vegetables are much also, are both much more expensive um, and harder to get, uh, especially the vegetables that we're trying to, that we're sourcing with, with the low heavy metals. Um, and, and the manufacturing process is much more specialized. And so oftentimes people say, you know, Cerebelli is at a premium um, price point to, uh, uh, to, to what else is out on the market. And you guys talk about accessibility. So how come it's so expensive? The reality is it's only expensive because of all the effort and the ingredients that go into that pouch. There's a reason it's more expensive. If we could make it cheaper, I, I promise you we would. Um, but, uh, but, but we make it as cheap as we can um, while maintaining an incredible level of quality and nutritional impact um, versus everything else out there.
2: And that's amazing. That's what differentiates you compared to competitors in the marketplace where like, you know, consumers know that they can trust that the quality of the product that you're providing. And also, like, I don't want to forget to touch upon the bars because first of all, like, say you're, like, you're done with pouches. You're like, all right, this is how, like, what else can Cerebelli give? Like, the bars were actually the first thing that we gave our son, Anna. We met Anna at Expo West. She like chased me down the aisle at Expo and was like, Rachel, you need to get these bars and pouches for your kids. And then I ate one of the bars because I was like, whatever, why not? And they were amazing. And I think that like that's a really huge opportunity in this space because there's no, there's very little to no, I would say like toddler and kid focus snacks and that's where the bars too also like really differentiate you guys because we'll talk about the ingredients of them like because they're also like super filled with I would say brain boosting foods too.
1: Yeah, I think the the bars reflect similar to you just just the journey of my kids, right? And so Valley was first named my kid was still eating purees, but at some point he aged out. Um, my six year old actually will still eat the pouches, the pe- pouches and stuff like that. But but at some point, you know, for when it comes to their lunchbox, you're not putting pouches in anymore. And so yeah. um, my kids had a new need that was no longer being met by the pouches. Um, and and that's sort of what motivated, okay, if my kids are feeling this way, other parents, kids are also starting to age out. And so uh, that was sort of the motivation for starting the bars. It's exactly as you said, it's, it's allowing kids to continue to, to, to continue to benefit from those 16 nutrients in a form that is, you know, at more age appropriate. Um, so, I think that's where we're always going. Um, again, we're, we're led by the need, the unmet need of the consumer, um, not the internal metrics of the company, right? <laughs> um, and, and, and where is that biggest gap? Where's the biggest gap between what we know kids should be having and what's available to them? Um, and so uh, I think I'm allowed to talk about this. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe forgive me, Anna, if I'm not, but it, it's, um, so, so I mean, another huge need that that I noticed and I experienced, um, was when I was a pregnant mom, there are, you know, when you're a pregnant mom, you have these massive cravings, you have these huge hormonal shifts that you never face the rest of your life. It is a really unique and intense period of, of any human's life. Right. And, and despite the fact that we go through this tremendous change, There's been a total lack of support and focus and interest on on the mother outside of her role as the vehicle for the child, right? You think of when you're pregnant, you're told all these things you can't do because they're bad for the kid. You can't eat. You can't have coffee. You shouldn't eat raw cheese. You shouldn't have sushi. You shouldn't have deli meat. Um, But there's very few people coming out saying, hey, you're going through a really big moment in your life, here are the things you could do that might make you feel better, it might help you and that might help you. And as a result, also your child in terms of their nutritional needs that when they're still, you know, prenatal. And so um, our our next focus will will likely be we have we have quite a few, but probably the one that I'm most excited about are, are antenatal snacks. So snacks for moms who are pregnant, but also snacks for moms who are lactating. Um what the nutritional uh, components of breast milk change actually quite significantly between month one and month six. And so having snacks that reflect um, the loss of, you know, certain key nutrients, so that the mother is still receiving them at a, at a very high level and passing on that benefit to the kids. I, I think it would be great. Um, and even more so just being a positive supportive influence to moms, not not just an authoritative, <laughs> you know, uh, you know dictator of what you can and cannot do i I think that's that's just so needed and and for reasons I don't completely understand, uh, completely absent right now.
3: I love that you like brought that up because that was definitely somewhere that we wanted to kind of go down is like what can you do before your your child starts solids? um so we're so happy that you know you guys are are going to try to bring something to the market that's that's super exciting.
4: When when you look at baby foods, we spent most of the time exactly you know you pointed out looking at baby foods and and deficiencies in the nutritional content of baby foods. But when you look at toddler snacks, it's much worse, you know, with, with regards to what what's in them, whether you know, and that's pretty much across the board. And so I totally agree that that's brain development continues for your entire life, um, and and certainly it's 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 very accelerated or or much more. It's much, much faster early on in life, but this continues on for the rest of your life. And so brain health is something um, that doesn't just stop it at two or three years old when you when you when stop eating pouches, it continues. And so certainly a big focus of Cerebelli's is, is improving that that massive market, which is what it, basically what it is you put in your kid's lunchbox, you know, when they go to school, making sure that everything in that lunchbox, um, when it comes to things that you purchased uh, is something that you can be proud of and feel feel really good about feeding. And And I thought that was, you know, when I think about Cerebelli and I see my kids eating the Cerebelli bars because they're older as well now, for the first time, rather than saying, oh, well, at least they're eating something, it's something that you feel good that they're eating. You watch them eat it and, you're, and you say, I'm doing a good for my child as they eat that. And that's a very different feeling than I think almost any other snack you can buy um, at a grocery store. And so, so we want to make sure that people um, are, feel that both when they feed their, their children our baby foods, um, but also the toddler snacks.
2: Now, just to go back to what Dr. Persner was just saying about pregnancy and breastfeeding. So, I'm 27 weeks with our third child. Congrats! (laughs) Thank you. But as I'm like gearing up to breastfeed again, and I nursed for a year for each child, and then I reached my breaking point. But you know, I focus on like healthy fats, and you know, avocados and nuts and seeds and whatever. But what should I be doing and mom's like women carrying children right now. like what should we be doing from this moment that can help with the child's brain health because I'm assuming it's scary to think like this because I'm not a perfect eater at this moment in time but like what I'm eating now probably is impacting the baby uh, which sounds so ridiculously simple but like scary at the same time <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's
1: definitely true. And to to set your mind at ease, uh, hopefully at least a little bit, um, your body is going to prioritize that child. (laughs) And so even if you're Mm -hmm. nutritionally deficient, your your body will will make sure that you get pretty darn deficient before the child feels the consequence of that. So um, especially if you're taking a a prenatal vitamin, um, you you know, you've covered a lot and and you're doing a good job. Um, So... That being said, there's there's a lot of cool studies also showing the the impact of of nutrition on, on early brain development. So it's that that's that's for sure known, and, and it's the same 16 nutrients that are important postnatally are important prenatally. Um, it's the same regions of the brain, interestingly, prenatally, often the the brain cells for different regions are finding out where they're supposed to go. They're getting to sort of their final landing landing spot. And then postnatally, they start to go under this period of, of growth. as so they start dividing, and dividing, make that that area where they've landed, make it bigger. Um, but it's, it's the same regions that need the same nutrients.
3: You know, there's been so much in the news about like Alzheimer's and dementia and all these things that people are seeing like in the later stages of their lives. Has there been any like research or anything with like brain development as, you know, adolescents? Um, And then, if there's any correlation to people having any of these issues later in life?
1: Oh, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone's directly correlated early brain development with likelihood of of acquiring um, neurodegenerative diseases later on. I think it's the problem is things like Alzheimer's or any type of dementia type syndrome. Um, It's tremendously multifactorial. So there's so many yeah. different reasons. There are some genetic components that are pretty strongly predictive, things like APOE and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, there's just so many variables that go into it. That by the time you're starting to develop, you live this huge life of, of tremendous variability compared to the person beside you. So it becomes harder to pinpoint direct contributions. That being said, I don't know if you saw this study lately. <laughs> it was so study. not. For- <laughs> <laughs> Well, it kind of got a bit of media attention, so. <laughs> but but they were looking at at, uh, at a specific intervention versus just like a salt pill versus a multivitamin, and they were trying to show that their intervention was effective at at decreasing the rates of of cognitive decline with dementia. And what ended up happening is that their trial was negative, but the multivitamin had a very significant effect on decline unexpectedly. So it was supposed to be a control. It was supposed to be like, oh, compared to nothing or a multivitamin. Right. You know, my intervention has this huge huge effect. But what they found is that their intervention had no effect, but the multivitamin had a meaningful effect on on you know um, on age related uh, cognitive decline and, and things like dementia. So. I thought that was pretty fascinating. It's just a very preliminary study because the study wasn't designed to prove this. You have to sort of take the the results, you know, in, in the context of the fact that this wasn't the point of the trial, and so maybe it's not true. Um, but I, but I thought it was a pretty cool, a pretty cool observation that I'm sure many more trials are going to be built off of. That's pretty
3: awesome. Yeah, interesting. So I should just take a multivitamin.
1: Uh, you know what I do? <laughs> yeah. I eat healthy. I do my best,
2: but I also take a multivitamin. <laughs>
3: I'm not very good at taking vitamins, so I'll I'll start. He
2: gets all like hyped up. He's like, "Can you order me this? Order me this!" And he takes it for a week, and then he forgets about it, and. Then he has like a cabinet of pills that he doesn't
3: take. Yeah, they will hurt my stomach once and then I'll stop eating them.
2: You
1: know, what, so, so don't follow
2: my advice here. But just to get
1: some context, I eat my kids vitamins, the little gummy ones. <laughs> Which ones do yeah. you give your kids? Yeah, because otherwise I forget to do it. But I'm giving them too. I'm like, oh, I'll just take one, you know. I take twice because I'm twice as big as them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's
2: good yeah. <laughs> We're eating the Our kids are having the Llama Naturals via vitamins. And they have gummy vitamins for adults too. Yeah yeah um, i
1: know it's it, it's i i think i don't know i feel like anything's better than nothing so
2: <laughs> it's true oh, thank you guys both so much for taking the time um we really appreciate this episode is packed with so much information like i've I never can't wait to learn i've
3: it. never seen rachel take so many notes <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> i never take notes and i was writing every uh, also pregnancy brains really yeah. for me right uh-huh. now so like is that a thing? Is it like, or am I just getting dumb, like dumber? <laughs> you
1: know what? I can tell you the number of times that I put the ice cream in the bread box and the bread box in the freezer. I think because I'm already yeah. kind of scatterbrained, and then <laughs> the, whatever pregnancy did, it w- it was terrible for me. <laughs>
2: I left my car running in my friend's driveway and went inside her house. Like, yeah, I yeah. I, 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 just... I can relate.
4: <laughs> I'm really yeah, but, uh, you know I will say Rachel the and uh, the. The fact that you're taking notes and this information um, that that hopefully we're helping with is exactly the reason we started Cerebelli, because every time (laughs) we told someone about this or every time Teresa told someone about this, (laughs) uh, including myself, that was the reaction, which is this is crazy. This is crazy that there's all this science out there. I didn't know it, you know, and, and frankly, if you're not a neurobiologist, you probably don't realize that there's all this science out there. Um, and that was, and that was really what was so striking to me, going back to your very first question, why did we start Cerebelli? It was that exact reaction, and hopefully the reaction of the people listening to this podcast, which is furiously taking notes, hoping that, hoping that A, it's not too late, and B, you know, that that you can use these, uh, the science to help benefit your child. Um, and that's why we started Cerebelli, was that exact reaction. And then, so I'm glad uh, it's been interesting to you, and I hope I hope to the people listening um, because it was so interesting to me and our friends and family. And and that's why we started Cerebelli in the first place.
1: Yeah, it's been awesome. And and again, if if you ever think of a way that Cerebelli can be more helpful to people who make their own baby food, I, I would, Love Mm -hmm. to hear it. I mean, you are certainly more of an expert in that field than I am. So if if you can think of ways, just reach out to me anytime because I can't promise we can always you can always deliver on them, but but I'd be very curious to know because I think it's it's an important it's an important group of people.
2: I think the heavy metals test could be very interesting. A very interesting (laughs) concept. Well, thank you guys so much. And I hope everyone runs out to the grocery store to pick up some belly pouches and bars or if you want to order them online. I actually have a 20% off code for Rachel 20. So stock up and let us know what you think.
3: Thanks, guys.
4: Thank you guys so much.
2: Thanks.